from B Media Production. This is Business Essentials, practical advice and ideas to grow your business. Welcome to this episode of Business Essentials Podcast. I'm Peter Letts. No business can afford to sit still. You need to try different things to stay in the game. But how would you bring a willing and enthusiastic team with you as you embark on a new project or direction? Business coach and author Simon Dowling says it's all about the gentle art of buy-in, and it's the topic of his latest book, Work With Me, How to Get People to Buy Into Your Ideas. When it comes to encouraging your team to do something, Simon Dowling tells Chris Ashmore you have two choices. You either are going to ask people to do things that you want them to do because you just want them to comply with a request, or you want them to do it because they choose to, because they want to. And... I think it becomes important whenever you are interested in people bringing their full energy and creativity to a project or to an idea. So if you want people, and I think most workplaces now do need and thrive on this, that we need people to be bringing the kind of energy that enables them to innovate, that enables them to think differently about ideas, to bring a kind of resourcefulness to projects and initiatives. I think if you want any of that, then that's when buying becomes absolutely critical. There's another thing too, and that is that if once upon a time we ran on a very industrial model of workplaces where people worked nine to five and they basically worked their way through a checklist, which was a procedures manual, it's kind of not like that anymore for most workplaces. Most workplaces are a lot more flexible in the hours they work and they expect people to be able to come and commit their full energy to a project until it gets done. If we want people to do that, then we need to give something back in return. And I think the give back is allowing them to be part of projects, not just in terms of their skills and their hands and their labour, but their hearts and their heads as well. And that's when you allow people to truly connect to and buy into ideas and projects. Do you think there's a lack of buying in with a lot of organisations these days and why? Yeah, look, I think there is. And there's probably a few different reasons, one of which is, Sometimes it seems and perhaps even sometimes is faster to get people to do things simply based on telling them to. If I'm your boss and you're my employee and you've signed up and you get the paycheck, well, then just do what you're told to do. That seems like the fastest route to getting stuff done. And sometimes that is the case. It may not always yield the longest term compliance. It may not work for the long haul, but it might kickstart action. So it seems easier that way. So how does a leader or anyone in the company get buy-in from their team? Well, there's a few pieces to that puzzle, I guess, but the very first and perhaps the most important of them is that the leader needs to check in with themselves and make sure they themselves are bought into an idea. So I often say leaders have to have a really good answer to the question, so what? Why would anyone want to say yes to this? Why would anyone want to lend their effort and their energy to this other than because I told you so? And if you don't have an answer to that for yourself, well, then you are just a courier passing on a message. You're just shoving something down the chain of command. So that's piece one, I think, is to make sure you yourself have stepped into a state where you care about getting other people's buy into something because it seems worth it. Then I reckon there's, there's kind of like a a puzzle that has to be worked out. And if you really simplify it down, there's three big parts to it. Leaders have to be a master at all three of these parts. So the first is mood, the second is mind, and the third is movement. So you've got to be good at all three of those. So mood, I've got to be really good at creating the right emotional state in people that they would want to say yes to something 
and their heart is in it. Now, that means I've got to be good at setting the emotional tone just at a person-to-person level. Like when you and I have a conversation, you've got to feel a sense of trust and connection to me as a person so that you have an inclination to buy in. I often say people buy people first. So no matter how good my idea is, if you don't buy into me and who I am, we're not going to get very far. I've also got to be really good at painting an emotional picture or creating an emotional resonance with the idea itself. So that might be through great storytelling. How do I share stories and create anecdotes and examples that help people to form kind of a picture in their mind and in their hearts of what this future state, this project that I'm holding out to you might actually look like for you? How do I give you a first-hand experience of it that gets you excited and enthusiastic about it? So that's all the mood dimension. The second is mind. So then I have to be really good at It's probably the logical side, the head side of creating buy-in. So I've got to be good at taking people on what I like to call a logical path to yes. Now that might be about how do I have a conversation with you that understands your needs and your drivers. It's the classic what's in it for me. Help me understand what's in it for me and show me that, create that sense of value that, you know, the potential benefits in this idea. But I actually reckon another big thing in this whole mind piece is being really good at being able to spot what people's fears and concerns might be and targeting them, talking about them, making it an open and easy part of the conversation to say, I'm not going to just pitch to you why you should say yes to this. I actually want to understand and I'm going to listen really well to all the reasons why you wouldn't want to do this. What are your concerns about it? What are your fears? What's holding you back? Salespeople sometimes call this the objections. You know, the best people in sales embrace objections. They say, let's make that part of the conversation rather than talking faster and louder to get around them. So mood and mind, they're the two first parts. And then the third part to the puzzle is what I call movement, the third M. And movement is really about working out how to make it easy for people to take action the moment they're starting to think, yeah, this could work for me. Now, that might be about helping them to take those first initial steps. It might be about orchestrating the environment around them so that it's easy to take action in accordance with their ideas. So, for example, it's one thing for me to say that, yeah, I want to sign up and join a gym next month. I can sign on the dotted line and I can hand my money across. But am I going to be very good at getting to the gym? Well, in my own personal case, no. And, you know, track records and experiences demonstrated that. So a good gym would be great at orchestrating ways of making sure I got to the gym. That would keep me as a member. So mood, mind, movement. Mm -hmm. Is it important to get everybody, all and sundry, to buy into your idea or just those who matter? I suppose it's always going to depend on context. But you would have to say if you go about it on the assumption that you have to get everyone to buy in, you could send yourself nuts, particularly in a bigger organisation. So I often say to people, you want to start with who are you going to be your, your best allies and champions on an idea? Get them on board first. But in the doing of that, there's a couple of things, right? One is by getting them on board, what I hope to do is start a bit of a bandwagon. In other words, I create some momentum. I get to road test my ideas. I get to not just road test it, but improve it because their input to it might make it a much better idea in the first place. You've got multiple heads in it. But at the same time, I need to make sure that anyone else who sits on the periphery, so anyone who might be a naysayer or people who might be secondary to implementation of my project, that I don't ignore them in the process. So how do I keep them close enough, keep them in the loop, keep them informed, so that in the event that I do want to start to then include them more in the idea, they're there in the wings waiting Now, no matter what you do sometimes, though, there are always those people who are stuck in their ways 
um, that they'll never change. What do you do with those kinds of people? I think the first thing there is to make sure that you're not assuming that those kind of people are always those kind of people. So it's very easy to sort of, you know, I think we've all worked with them, right? The people that you roll your eyes when they say something in a meeting that is contrary to your proposal because you go, there you go again. That's just your usual thing. But of course, in doing that, the risk is that you are worsening the situation. So I always say to people, you want to approach the naysayers with compassion and respect. In other words, they're saying no. I wonder why they're saying no. And in fact, in that, I have to almost make it okay for them to say no. So as I sit down with you, Chris, I might say, now listen, I know from the get-go that this is the kind of idea that's probably not going to sit comfortably with you based on some of the stuff we've talked about in the past. And that's why I wanted to bring it to you. I wanted to bring it to you because I'm really curious to understand how would you approach this if you were me. But I fully appreciate and respect the fact that this may not sit comfortably with you. So look, I suppose that's the first part, compassion and respect. The second part is, let's get real about this for a second, buy-in is not a panacea. You're not going to be able to get everyone's willing and enthusiastic yes to every idea all the time. So you've also got to have a fallback plan. When is it okay for there to be some people who haven't bought in or said yes to this? And if so, what's my fallback on that? Is it that I need to get someone else involved in this process of influence? Is it that I need to come up with a way of approaching this project that doesn't necessarily require these people to participate? Or, dare I say it, do I ditch my project altogether because it never got the traction it needed? Simon Dowling. And that ends Business Essentials Podcast. So you don't miss out on future episodes, why not subscribe? And if you found this valuable, we'd love you to leave a review. For further information about us, or if you'd like to listen to more interviews like this one, visit businessessentials.com.au. We hope you've enjoyed Business Essentials Podcast. I'm Peter Letts. Thanks for listening. This Business Essentials Podcast has been produced by B Media Production. Building engagement and adding value through quality audio communication. Music